So I want to share with you something that happened only a couple of days ago, actually. A day ago, even. I was in a meeting with Catherine and Catherine suddenly went, I can hear something downstairs. I think one of the cats has got brought something in, brought a pigeon in. She went and then came back almost immediately and said, oh, it's just Matthew getting breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) So either you eat your cereal in a manner that sounds like a cat dragging a half-dead pigeon in <laughs> into the flat, or your breakfast is a, is a dead pigeon that you go out and catch. <laughs> Matthew, have you been feasting on wild birds again? Mm. Uh, no, I well, I was treating myself to some mid-morning cashew nuts. So <laughs> I was actually, because I'm now diet obsessed, I was weighing out some cashew nuts. Uh, so I didn't overindulge. And a live goose got in them somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, my packet of cashew nuts was full of 20 pigeons. <laughs> it's yeah. like a medieval nursery rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that I am one of the many bad downstairs noises. <laughs> that can happen in our house. Like upstairs to Catherine, it's like either the cat or Matthew is doing something bad or is <laughs> causing chaos and she has to come and check on me. It's not great to be checked on by your spouse. Uh, I often like to think what sort of a man I I would think you were if I knew you only through Catherine mentioning you tangentially mm. in like meetings. <laughs> It's probably a truer representation than how I present myself on this podcast. Like, I managed, this is the one hour a week I managed to get my stuff together the rest of the time. Pure chaos. The funny thing is, when she stuck her head over the banisters, like, I did the same frozen in the headlight type reaction that our cats do when they've been caught doing something (laughs) bad. Kind of, huh? Why are you looking at me? I'm just eating nuts. (laughs) Very defensive. With all that said, if you had to take a bite out of any wild bird like it was an apple in a survival situation, what would you choose? A swan neck. <laughs> Text appears on the screen. Nate will remember that. This episode 190, I'm going to go for eight, because I haven't written it down this week, oh no, of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, this week we are talking about the most annoying NPCs in games, because while I was away, uh, you lads did the the best blokes in games. Best blokes, yeah. We ha- <laughs> and we ended up with a wonderful conversation about who we'd take for a nice night out at the pub. But the most interesting part of that was who we would not take to the pub, but who it would be interesting if they showed up in a minivan to go to a bad nightclub afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we ended up with quite the cast. Uh, Wilmot from Wilmot's Warehouse 
silence uh, from Horizon Zero Dawn. And I think someone on the Discord had an amazing comment about them being the kind of person still smashing it at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so we, we got quite hypothetical. It was good. So this is, this is a, uh, a counterbalance to that. It's the NPCs that you absolutely wouldn't want to go to a club or pub or anywhere with the most annoying NPCs in PC games. But first, as ever, check in with the the lads because I'm joined as usual this week by <laughs> Wolf Carlton. Hello. And Nate V38. Yeah, the big 38. I'm 38 today. Today is your yeah, birthday. It's, this My is goodness. the big one. And I'd, I'd, there's nowhere I'd rather be than on the EWS podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> With my good pals, Alice Matthew, the Electricity Cop, and the Alabaster Titan. My goodness. Well, what are you doing for your birthday? Well. Surely not this. I would... <laughs> as soon as the podcast finish, uh, finishes, Ashley's going to whistle me away for a really fancy lunch. I don't know where, but apparently it's really fancy so that's going to be good but is this is this going to be like a legit fancy lunch or is this going to be like one of your like weird things that you guys do all the time and it'll be you eating some ham in your shed but that's like a cool theme somehow honestly man that coin is right (laughs) on its edge i do not know (laughs) either is going to be amazing such a scathing assessment of Nate's brand. Well, you know what it is. Yeah, that's that's what it is, though, and it's kind no, of like it's, oh, it's cool. it was, it was my, my Gimli feast or whatever. <laughs> You're like, yeah, all right. Yeah, we've made a massive platter of cold cuts uh, in the shape of John Rhys Davis's face, and each one has a fact about Gimli written on the back in pesto. I mean that that you can say that, and I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Like if Matthew had said that in a slightly different tone of voice, it would have been really cutting. Oh, well, I didn't mean it that way. Eat, I... eat, eat some ham in a shed and that's cool somehow. <laughs> yeah, but that's the magic of friendship with Matthew. Exactly, like, yeah. It's all innately hostile, but said in a friendly way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, next week I'm going to go and um, my main present is going into the, the woods to uh, carve, some, carve some bowls. With a man, he sounds really cool. Oh, okay. That either sounds like a really cool thing or the start of a horror film. It sounds like like the start of a killer new Predator movie. Yeah. (laughs) He has told me to bring some meat to cook on a fire. There you go. Yeah, he's actually getting a lot lot more like 2022 film Prey every minute. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be hunted by a Native American lady. (laughs) And I, I'm just going to run to the spaceship and, and, and go because I don't want to die. Are you uh, are you having a party or is is bowl carving? Are we because uh, it was my daughter's birthday yesterday, and so and her little mate Magda, it was her birthday as well. So at the weekend, at our local like community garden where we've got like the allotments and stuff. We had like a little birthday party and I made, um, we decided to do it like nautical themed, which I was very happy about. And I, I made a treasure map of the community garden by painting over a satellite image of it. And uh, that was really sweet. I did, you know, drew like an octopus on it and stuff. Mm. Yeah, Talasa, my daughter, 
dressed up as Talassa, the primordial titaness of the sea, as she's named after. Okay. She's a really and what cool kind of- mythological figure because she's got a crown of crab claws, uh, which we made out of cardboard. And I asked her what she wanted me to go as, and, I, and she said, some lobster. Uh, so <laughs> I bought a 10-quid lobster costume off of the internet and, and just sort of flailed around like a, a little price Zoidberg uh, <clears throat> beside her for the day. It was really lovely. The picture looked amazing of you as a lobster. Oh, yeah, there is a picture. a picture on my Twitter if you want to see um, Talassa and some lobster. <laughs> A good, good lobster costume for ten pounds. I thought really good. Yeah, it had all the like the little um, abdominal legs um, that sort of raised up when I raised my main arms. Oh, so good. It like yeah, I had many legs. Yeah, you want Were that, the yeah. other dads in fish costumes? Not one. Uh, did you no. have any? Did you have any dad conversations with them while dressed as a lobster? No, because I had this sort of foam helmet over my head, making me quite an intimidating or pitiable <laughs> presence. So it was mostly wordless for the whole day, actually, and incredibly hot because it was extremely hot. But my daughter wanted a lobster, so I didn't break character once. I had this amazing image of like a cluster of dads talking about, you know, the situation with parking up at the junior school, except one of them is dressed as a lobster. And it's like, (laughs) we we really need to get on top of this, guys. (laughs) No, no, I was just uh, just like this weird mute creature. Um, there was a bunch of like seven-year-old boys who were trying like aggressively like make me confess that I wasn't a lobster, but I wasn't having it. So I just kept baffling them with like crustacean esoterica, um, <laughs> and I like to think I won the encounter. <laughs> My daughter was very impressed, which is all that matters. We've got um, listeners who would legitimately pay you to dress as a lobster and, and baffle them with lobster esoterica. Well, I did think actually because we we've um, one of the films we've been watching recently a fair lot is Turning Red, the um, Pixar movie about a little girl who turns into a giant red panda. Is that the one that's not realistic because it doesn't mention nine eleven? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's in the it's set in the early two thousands, and it is to be fair that the setting is really well observed. Um, and one of the things this girl does when it's you know, revealed she can turn into a red panda. It just starts hiring herself out to go to other kids' parties and turn into a red panda, you know, just make a load of money, just being a giant weird red monster at parties. And that did make me think. Uh, I mean, you've all let me down on coming to pick up a goby. You know, I'm, I'm getting frantic now. I've got about 70 nearly fully grown gobies, but don't worry, I'll be fine with them all. You know, you could take me up on the offer to hire a lobster for your kid's birthday party. Do that instead. I feel like there's a lawsuit in the future somewhere. <laughs> yeah. or, or some kind of like, you know, local news post with like, you know, someone looking serious and like holding up a bill for you dressed as a lobster. <laughs> the, the peripheral vision in that thing is terrible. I would be going through the walls of some sheds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matthew, I mean, how are you? <laughs> Have you dressed up as any crustaceans? Uh, no, never. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fancy dress kind of person. I remember as a child, like of one of my very earliest memories, in fact, is freaking out about being invited to a birthday party where everyone was dressing as Superman, and I didn't want to go. Because, everyone was dressing. As well, Superman. it was a Superman fancy dress party, but I I didn't want to go because I didn't. The idea of wearing pants outside my trousers was like like 
already shameful to me as like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I just went in everyday. I just went in everyday clothes as shamed uh... Clark Kent. <laughs> Oh, that's quite a good get out, though. I, although I don't understand, like, ev- everyone dresses as Superman. But... Well, it's, everyone, it's a Superman party. You say that as if that's the thing. Well, it was a thing, obviously, at the time. You know, you've got to remember, this wasn't, you know, these things you know, weren't as mainstream and all over the place as they are now. It's not like, oh, there were the Avengers. That's Back then, true, it was like, that's true. No, the only superhero film was Batman, you know? <laughs> Imagine the moment of carnage, though, as through a gap in the garden fence, it's revealed that next door a load of kids are having a Lex Luthor party. <laughs> <laughs> kicks off. That'd be amazing. <laughs> what, did you not even do, like, at, at university? Did you do, like, low effort, you know, house party? No, do they have fancy dress parties at Cambridge? Uh, Oxford. Uh, sorry. No. Sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't go to any. I for, for there was a period. There was a period, uh, probably like college period, where if I went to a couple of fancy dress parties as the Milky Bar Kid. Oh, very good. So I uh, I went to a party in my first year of uni, which is a superheroes party, and. I was in better shape, so I went as the Hulk, and I decided to cover myself in green paint, but it kept washing off, so I used glass paints. Oh, dear. And it didn't come off, and also, my normal clothes got locked in a uh, a room at the college at, like, 10 p.m., and it was January, and I had to walk two miles home bare- barefoot, wearing a pair of ripped purple shorts covered in green glass paint that didn't really come off for the next three days. That's is, that's, that would be in the Inbetweeners movie. It but, really was pure Inbetweeners stuff, yeah. No one's going to mug the Incredible Hulk, though. If you're out looking for, like, you know, nocturnal naughtiness, you're not going to pick a fight with the Hulk, of all people. This even at, like, a shivering, like, considerably <laughs> less muscular than he should be Hulk. Yeah, you'd, be, yeah, you'd still be like, well, I've caught the Hulk mid-transformation, clearly. But it could go either way. Actually, now I think about it, one of the people in the Inbetweeners was at that party. So it was, that was, yeah, I was basically in the sitcom. Look at what, you. really? Yeah. Celeb connections. Yeah, yeah. They were, um, they, he was at my college, I think. So, um, huh. yeah. There's a, there's a 95% chance he was there, I think. I can't, I can't actually remember. <laughs> but there we are. I'm in the Inbetweeners. For my birthday one year when I was at university, because my birthday is on Australia Day, so there you go. You've got if anyone has been listening to all these hundreds of episodes, trying to piece together enough to steal my identity. There's another little true detective over here. But yeah, my birthday's on Australia Day, so we did an Australia themed party and made like I made a headdress that was in the shape of uh, the Sydney Opera House, and we made a little. Um, like upstairs we turned that into like the great barrier reef in the the toilet we like filled the bath and put like fish and um and like <laughs> and seaweed and stuff all over everything and uh and then my friend my housemate went as the australian prime minister from the simpsons versus australia episodes of the simpsons and we made like a papier-mâché boot <laughs> That just sounds like a really sick party. It was pretty good. (laughs) There you go. That's the best fancy dress party I've been to. Can you please find a photo of the Sydney Opera dress 
uh, the Sydney Opera headdress. Maybe. Like, usually, I'd respect you too much to ever like pigeonhole you as adorable, but that is adorable. I, w- I was like 21. I was. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's still adorable. <laughs> Sydney Opera House headdress. It's lovely. <laughs> I don't know how to segue that to people were in the Discord were uh, laughing at your total contempt for my segue last week, Matthew. <laughs> 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 you just, you just went. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, I mean that is the usual vibe. But come on, what have you got for us this week? You can do it. Um, well, I mean that act itself was very rude and annoying, and uh, that would be the behaviour of a very annoying NPC. Beast mode. Matthew's unimpressed. So this week. Listener, we're here to share our, our least liked NPCs, the most annoying NPCs that we've encountered in games. And I was wondering if we were going to throw up any wild cards because there are some that sort of come up quite often. But we'll see what we shall see. And it, I think, I don't know, I think we maybe there'll be some crossover between what we as people find annoying, but there might be some, some outliers as well. So I'm quite interested to see how, how we'll do with this one. Nate, we don't often start with you, but who who do you find annoying in video games? Well, he came... It's a really easy one, but I think it's also a must-include. He actually came up briefly last week in the nightclub discussion. Um, Claptrap off Borderlands. I have Claptrap as well. I yeah. have Claptrap as well. It's ding, just ding, it's, I've Look, I'm a big believer in taking jokes too far. Like <laughs> It's my MO, I think. <laughs> You know, at some point there's a stack overflow and they become bloody incredible again. <laughs> but, like, they've managed with Borderlands Claptrap to just slam him through that barrier so many times and he never actually became funnier again. He's just descended into deeper and deeper layers of, of being obnoxious. But I think the tragedy is whoever's writing Claptrap, I think, thinks that he's beloved for being annoying, and I don't think anyone's ever found him beloved. I don't know, because for me, he was, he. it was as if he'd already become run into the ground as soon as he existed. Um, and I, But I remember people like, he was a big part of like the, the campaign to for like, like he was the face of the, the promotional stuff for the first Borderlands. Which is bizarre. It's like using syphilis to advertise humanity. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Syphilis is quite popular. <laughs> it's better than claptrap. <laughs> claptrap sounds like something a Victorian, uh, you know, bawdy innkeeper would call syphilis. <laughs> a touch of the old claptrap. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Berry voice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, th- I think he was all right for about five minutes in, just in Borderlands 1. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think it just, as well, at this point, and maybe this is with the hindsight of Borderlands existing for so many years now, I think Claptrap, for me, it just exemplifies the Borderlands brand of humour, where like you, you just run something into the ground so hard that you'd need, you know, Daniel Plainview to help extract it. 
I have a lot of jokes about Borderlands because every time Borderlands comes up uh, and we have to write about it, I put in like a horrible joke about it and then Catherine quietly edits it out. So I just have a load of them in my back pocket. It's, yeah, because at least a lot of the running gags in Borderlands do have some redeeming feature, but he's just an unlovable tetrahedron, really. We've, me and Nate have just annoyed, uh, annoyed, have just have just talked about how annoying he is. Like, Matthew, do you have anything to add about Claptrap? Uh, no, I was just trying to think if, if there was any point in the game where it did become... Because it, it feels like they're just trying to make him really annoying. So then uh, aren't there a few quests where you can hurt him? Which are like Ooh. the kind of payoff for it, maybe? Oh, he gets or, beasted a lot. Yeah. And yeah. you're often having to repair him because like, the space monkeys have taken his eye or whatever. I wonder, yeah, I mean, you say he hasn't. He's punched through that barrier where you do something too much. I wonder if actually maybe just hasn't reached that barrier and one day he will. Where if they just stick with it, maybe another game of claptrap and that will push him. That will push him into the funny zone because I, I can't think of any. You know, for someone who is so prominent, I can't think of anyone who's ever said, "Oh yeah, that's good," or "I like claptrap." But that makes him like the comedy writing equivalent, well, a comedy writing exemplar of the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> we just got to keep doing claptrap, guys. We've invested so much in him now. Yeah. We just got to hope he, he reaches the barrier. Well, if you stop, yeah, the winners hate, the, the haters win, even. Um, so they changed, his vo- the, 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 they changed his voice in Borderlands 3. It was a different guy doing it. So it oh, was wasn't that because they screwed over the guy who did the original? Yeah, they managed to oh, screw yeah. over. So like, I've, you know, some solidarity, even though he's awful, some solidarity with old claptrap. Well, big support. solidarity with the with the voice actor, you know, because he had to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm interested, actually, in general, in characters that because I think there's one thing with like you know NPCs who are designed to be annoying. Um, or comedically annoying. But there's another thing with like ones who are blatantly annoying, but are also meant to be like lovable mascots for the property. Like I always find, um, I know you, you two aren't big Hearthstone players, uh, but the innkeeper is the sort of the uh, the meta narrative in Hearthstone. He's a character who runs the inn that Hearthstone is played in, and he greets you to the game when you get onto the loading screen and things like that. And it's the classic Blizzard thing of being a dwarf with a Scottish accent hired by someone, who, uh, voiced by someone who can't do a Scottish accent. <laughs> Hello there, traveller! Welcome, come and play a lovely game of Hearthstone! <laughs> He's unbearable. Absolutely unbearable. <laughs> But he's like the face of the game, and he's got like this big stupid gurning face with his big stupid gurning voice. And after a while, you just feel like he's mocking you for playing the game. <laughs> and it'd be right. There's yeah. If you're an American voice actor and you're tempted to say that you can do a Scottish or an Irish accent, maybe leave it off. You know, I I just can't believe how casting directors turn a blind eye to people not being able to do accents 
Um, I was watching The Boys recently, which has got Carl Urban playing a Cockney, and it's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. His accent is, is like oh, a... I'm ruddy, like, bloody, bully butcher. It's like <laughs> I'm going to go down the apples and pears and knock your block off. <laughs> it's like a character itself. Uh, <laughs> I love it. They, cu- they know that that's not good, though, right? They must know it. They, they must do, yeah. <laughs> they can't. No, Nobody can watch that and be that. Feel like that's an authentic. The, He'd be at home in EastEnders. <laughs> the, good, the good joke, the, the great joke in the boys. I don't know if you've got it yet. Is that his his dad is also played by another Australian doing a terrible yes, British yeah. accent? Is it John Noble? I think. Yeah. <laughs> what is his dad, Danathor? Yeah. Oh, he's a Kiwi. Oh, okay. I apologise. I think maybe Urban is as well. I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Well, to... But <laughs> no Sydney Opera House headdresses here. No. Similar accent forced through court. That has to be a, a deliberate, we know this is bad. Well, the yeah. scene where he meets his dad is like an EastEnders scene, but seen <laughs> through like weird Antipodean bizarro vision. <laughs> yeah. I think you always a... were a b- <laughs> <laughs> it's... I think it's because a lot of the casting directors are themselves, you know, not. English or not, you know, from the UK or or Europe or whatever, so they kind of can't hear. In the same way that, like, you know, like sometimes you can tell that an English person is doing an American accent because it's just not quite right. And I think it's harder because I was talking to Dave Gilbert from Wadjet Eye, and he's just he's doing the voice the voices for uh, a game called The Excavation of Hobbs Barrow, which is a very creepy point and click horror game. But um, all the accents in it are regional like northern uk accents right and he was like i had to sort of rely because the team are from the uk and he was like i kind of had to rely on them to help me with the casting and stuff because i just i don't have the ear for it you know then you get people who are so good at doing a fake accent that when they do their real accent it becomes fake like christian bale that's what's happening yeah with him. he's you'd think oh he's american he does a good american accent and then when he does his english accent it sounds more like carl urban Taking taking the mic out of her. <laughs> it's all right, isn't it? And you're like, no way, absolutely no way. It's like when I found out Gillian Anderson was English after having grown up watching the X Files. That really did a number on me. Well, she's sort of both, isn't she? I think she's dual. Oh, she's yeah. transatlantic. What's her mm. natural speaking accent? I think American. I think she grew up in the UK until she was like a teenager, and then. So- because Christian Bale is famously like in character all the time, so no one knows what his accent is. Like he's he, he doesn't change his accent until he gets a new film role. I think he's still Gore the God Butcher from Thor three at the moment. <laughs> oh my god. It just seems like a lot of effort, doesn't oh. it? He seems like a lot of effort as a person. <laughs> yeah, he's an annoying NPC. I can't imagine anyone less relaxing to hang out with. That's that's the best thing about his famous film rant. Uh, when he went ballistic on the set of Terminator, because his accent like keeps breaking through based on the words he's saying. So, like, if he's calling someone an asshole, he sounds like an American. But when he calls them up, you're gonna have to beat this out. Apologies, Liam. He's like, "You're an asshole, you fucking." Bro- it's it's like literally like seeing someone like morph like they're trapped between two forms (laughs) Uh. 
Matthew, can you raise us anyone from video games who'd be more stressful to hang out with than Christian Bale? I, this oh, is nice. super niche, but when you were talking about Claptrap, it reminded me of... Have either of you played the murder mystery game Dangan Romper? No, everyone tells me about it all the time, though. It's like... It's like extremely anime Phoenix, right? It's like pretty full on. But the it's about these kind of kids who get uh, trapped in this school and they're all going to die. The only way to escape from this school is to kill one of your classmates and get away with it. So every every chapter someone's murdered and then there's like a trial because if you accuse the wrong person, everyone dies. So that's the Phoenix right element. You're trying to kind of prove which of these people is, has done it. But it's kind of all kind of ruled over by this sort of stupid bear thing called Monokuma, who's like this black and white bear. Black and white bear, yeah. He he's like, he's, he looks like one of the classic kind of Japanese sort of like regional mascots. He's got big um, Kumamon energy. But he's this, this shrieking evil bear who's like really explicit and like sexually unpleasant, but also kind of cute. And he's got a cute little laugh. That whenever he laughs, he goes pew. But the, the he sounds the worst. Oh, uh, it is. It's it just it. Like, these games, they're absolutely like the actual cases in them. Like the murder mystery construction is brilliant, and I really like to recommend them because of that. But I also know that I'm recommending people to have to like put up with all this like absolute garbage that sort of surrounds it. And he's yeah, super niche this one. But yeah, just for making Dangan Romper like. A, a bit of a problematic fave. He really blows. In the sequel, they give him this sidekick called Monami, who's this pink rabbit, who he kind of like, sort of, he's got this sort of sadomasochistic kind of relationship with her. He's always like torturing her and stuff. And you're just like, I do not want to see these cute mascots. <laughs> kind of cute thing acting obscenely has never ever like spoken to me as as, as like a joke. You know, you yeah. get, you know. Well, I'm, again, I'm, that's a very Borderlands thing, isn't it? And, it's that whole, like, it runs through sort of Family Guy and um, uh, who's the guy who wrote Family Guy? Um, um, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, the Ted movie, like, there's a whole running gag through one whole slice of culture, which is just, like, you know, cute childhood things being horrible. Yeah. And I, I don't like it. But I'm a bit of a square when it comes to, like, I don't know what the name for it is, but the sort of ugly cartoons of the 90s, the kind of... Like Ren and Stimpy kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, it always puts me on edge a bit. (laughs) Yeah, I was just, like, quite a sensitive child and found (laughs) Ren and Stimpy incredibly upsetting. (laughs) Ren and Stimpy does have a very upsetting energy, though. (laughs) It really does. And, like, in some ways, it's kind of in tune with my sense of humour now, I guess. But I just... Oh, it gives gives me the gribblies, man. Yeah, it's too it, much it for me. It doesn't feel like, like Ren and Stimpy doesn't feel like it was made to be enjoyed in some do you know what I mean? <laughs> like Yeah, to be endured, maybe, but Well, yeah. Monokuma is big that energy. <laughs> I do think that uh like if you kind like a joke still needs to have for me, and listeners made us great, but a joke still needs to have some of the construction of a joke i think there's a thing like a if if your punchline relies on you swearing or doing something kind of shocking like that if it doesn't work if you take that out then you shouldn't be allowed to do it that's yeah, a controversial I'm, stance maybe but uh, yeah i've it, it, it sometimes like 
it surprises people when when I say, but I'm like, I'm actually quite sentimental about stuff, and I, I you know, I love like a bit of ultraviolence and all that, but I don't, I don't like crossing the streams. I don't like the corruption of innocence. I'm actually quite soft about that. Um, so yeah, that mm. bear sounds like it can get in the bin. Yeah, the bin bear. Yeah, bloody bin, bin bear. bear. Um, semi-related, and like I'm only just going to get away with saying this because Persona Five is coming to PC later this year. Mm-hmm. I hate that cat. Oh, I hate Morgana. Ah. It's, it's so annoying. Describe the case against this cat to me. I want to join you. Okay. Uh, so Persona Five, is, you play like a team of teenagers um, who. Uh, it, by day are just teenagers running around eating noodles and what have you and then by night they go into sort of the dream worlds of bad people uh, often sort of pervy dudes and sort of make them stop doing horrible things in real life by beating their sort of dream version of themselves and they have all these powers and they uh, dress in kind of bondage gear when they're in their dream forms and stuff Um and their kind of mascot character is a cat who during the day is a cat and then in the dream world is, uh, again, sort of big regional mascot energy, like <laughs> bi- sort of big oval head and uh, t- talks like uh, a rug rat and has like a crush on Anne. But like Anne also annoys because they call her like Anne. The cat calls her Lady Arn, which I find quite upsetting. <laughs> and I just, and it's always telling you you have to go to bed. I just have no time for Morgana at all. I've, uh, I've seen the cat, don't like the cat. There you go. They, yeah, because Persona 4 had Teddy as well, which was like, like a bear version, a sort of a bear mm. equivalent. They do like to have a big, weird cartoon mascot. I didn't. I didn't hate Morgana. I thought she was fine. Oh, I'd, well, that's the other thing. I yeah. I don't know the characterization of Morgana. Like the he they was yeah. supposed to have amnesia, uh, and then like, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't like. They were just very annoying. It was like having a a, a petulant like primary school aged child. Uh, tagging along with you who also then told you that you were too tired to do anything else during the day and you had to go to bed at like 8 o'clock every night. It's very annoying. Little po- positive sidebar, do you have a favourite regional mascots from Japan? Uh, I mean, it, our house is, is, a, is a big pro-Kumamon house. Um, is that the sort of melon lads? No, that's a big bear with a big grin and big rosy cheeks. He's probably, I'd say, the most famous mascot at the moment. Our favourite in this house is Wakatamakan, who's like a big egg, and he's got a bandolier with like three smaller eggs living in it, and just think he's great. You, I mean, egg mascot is Nate Bates. Yeah, job's done. I don't have a favourite one. Should I get one? Yeah, report back next time. The scary one's Melon Kuma, which is oh, I remember that one. Yeah, it's just, that's just like literally an uh, like an ang- like a violent looking bear with a melon sort of smashed over its head. 
it, it that's the one i was thinking of yeah like i think it's meant to be like a melon helmet but if you it sort of looks like someone's just chucked a melon at a bear that was attacking them and it does look like a, a bear that would feast on human flesh it looks um, like something from ren and stimpy oh it's horrible <laughs> like i wouldn't be so i would you could kill that in a resident evil and not not think about it twice Moving on to possibly another controversial one. I really don't like Mission in KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, Mission is a uh, a Twi'lek, so one of the big tentacle-headed uh, aliens, uh, who, she's like an orphan who's like grown up on the street. She's like a Star Wars kind of artful dodger. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, do you know what, actually? It might be, I just don't like the energy of like a precocious child voiced by an adult in video games, which I think might be the problem I have with Morgana in My Persona 5. actually went on exactly that rant to me yesterday um, about a film we watched. And she just, yeah, it was literally those words like precocious child, adult voice actor. I think there's just a real, there's something there. That really this, rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. It's just some kind of awful dissonance there that I don't like. Because well, they just Bart, Bart Simpson should annoy. Like, actually, kind of annoys me on that basis. If I'm honest, I, I, Bart, I think I can read as a child more easily. But it's just like precocious teen slash child voice by an adult. I think just comes across as really disingenuous because you can tell it's an adult voice, but they're sort of doing their oh, I'm just a little baby, you know, like. <laughs> so you know so it sounds like like an adult doing doing a bit you know i don't know but no, yeah that, that was not one of the best bits of kotor i'll i'll go with you on that that's i keep i'm getting dangerously close to having a replay of that game actually yeah i think there's i don't know what the state of the there's some fans doing like a big hd remastery thing of it i think but i don't know where they're at with it at the moment I was thinking about Dwayne from GTA 4. Do you remember him? I don't. So he's in the, the, the story. There's a bit where he's kind of at war with a guy called Playboy X. And you have to choose between Dwayne or Playboy X. And you get different rewards for which person you side with. But one of the quote unquote rewards for siding with Dwayne and killing Playboy X is that you remain friends with Dwayne. And if you remember GTA 4, like people could ring you up and ask you mm. to go and play Paul or whatever. He was ringing you up all the time because, and I'm like, this isn't his fault. And I'm not like, you know, judging people who are unfortunate like this, but like, he's like this super depressed guy. And he's just like a really unpleasant hang in that game. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like a really sad bloke who you feel obliged to kind of be, fr- to, to hang out with because you're sort of worried for the state of him. Otherwise, and that to me just isn't a thing I want in a video game. Like that is not a relationship I need. That's not in... really like you know fulfillment of any sort of real life fantasy, is it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, like I know it's nice to be able to look after people like that, but it's also kind of in this game. It's he's just like I want to play Paul, and you're like, oh god, because he doesn't. <laughs> he never ha- he never has anything fun to say. Like he complains if you drive too fast on the way there. Like he's just sad if he loses. Uh, just uh, the guy is just. But yeah. I was going to have a little go at Big Smoke off of um, <laughs> San Andreas actually, because he's just obnoxious. <laughs> Big Smoke cannot bear the man. Tell me about Big Smoke. You know that one, like 
one hit wonder from the early 2000s, Fat Man Scoop, where yeah. he just sort of roars with infinite vocal fry all throughout the track. Imagine that as a man in the game. CT! Everything is like just growled um, with knackered lungs. And he's like really, really, really enthusiastic about everything, but also really obviously evil. And so it's such a relief when he does betray you in the end because you no longer have to have fun with this awful <laughs> shouting man who's going to betray you. It's like hanging out with a bomb. <laughs> like, so, yeah, he was, he was pretty incredible. Like, a really well, actually, like, really well-written character and I think was meant to be just, like, despicable company. But, you know, it worked. And that was a long game. And there was a lot of interactions with him. So, yeah, big smoke. Rockstar games have a lot of these characters because they, you know, deal with the you know, murky groups. It's always, you know, there's so many unpleasant people who you're meant, you don't know if you're meant to find them funny or you're just meant to sort of endure them. And, you know, like uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Dutch's... We were talking about Micah Bell, weren't we? Oh, yeah. The, the well, awful Micah Bell. But the gang is full of people who just make terrible decisions, who you're constantly... <laughs> and, like, the worst people always seem to survive in that game, and the, the few nice people were just, like, gradually killed off, and that game he... becomes a lot less chill as it goes on. Is it Micah? Because I didn't finish Red Dead Redemption 2, but who's the one that you have to break out of jail, and then he just starts shooting up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was so mad at him outside the game. Um, my boyfriend uh, just finished replaying um, Red Dead Redemption, the first one, mm. and uh, there was a whole Nigel West Dickens, a very annoying person, but like a great NPC. Like which one's like that? Nigel West Dickens is the snake oil salesman. Oh yes. Who I I want to mention in the context like a counterbalance to Claptrap because he's written to be annoying. Uh, but is successfully funny and is not annoying to be around in the gauge, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, because you're quite welcome whenever he shows up, even though he's a bad Because yeah. he's entertainingly a bad Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. What that it, is there is just successful comedy writing. <laughs> even, like, and I know this is the intentional arc, but I've even Dutch in that game is uh, like the repetition of him, you know, because he's just like, he's like endlessly circling the drain and bringing everyone down with him. And I get that's the point. But because the game's so long, it's quite a drawn out process of just seeing someone make the same mistakes over and over again. And everyone yeah. being like, yeah, you know, like he's always, the, you know, the, the next big payday is just around the corner. And you think I just... You know, there's a point about halfway through that game where I, I just I just stopped buying it that these characters would would still stick with him. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to introduce an accidental note of like valid critique of video games because that's always the curse of this podcast. But <laughs> I think that is a real challenge with writing for RPGs because you're basically, you know, all all the formal or informal training you can have as a storyteller is aimed towards creating stories that are like two or three hours long. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to take the sort of narrative structure of something like that and stretch it over 21 hours or so. 
you know, with room for a lot of completely irrelevant fist fights with alligators happening <laughs> yeah. to intersperse between the beats. And that's really tough. I think it as well, part of the problem is, you know, with player authored uh, stories within it, you know, in Red Dead Redemption 2, quite early on, there comes a point when you've made a decent amount of money just trapping and hunting and skinning animals uh, enough to go and like buy yourself fancy clothes in the big town and stuff. Uh, and at that point, I was just like, why am I still in this? Why am I? <laughs> Yeah, right. why is your fate still bound to these luckless yeah. brutes? Like, <laughs> I've, I've accidentally gone legit. Like, what? <laughs> when you donate money to the camp and you're going through a ledger of donations and it's like this character gave like one rabbit pelt and there's like one dollar from the, the, the vicar or whoever and then it gets like Arthur Morgan, two grand. <laughs> and you're like, well, yes, <laughs> I seem to be a very successful businessman at this point. Uh, why am I still indebted to this lot? It's very odd. <laughs> That's that cognitive dissonance, that is. No, wait. Uh, Ludo narrative dissonance. Ding, ding, ding. Well, now we've said that word. I think it's time we've been. We've, someone has uh, jumped out and put a sack over our heads for mentioning Ludo narrative dissonance, and they've kicked us down the stairs to the <laughs> cavern of lice. <laughs> All right. And... It's a really bloody cavern of lice. Whoa! Was it, we, there was an you... actual door sound effect. Yeah, did you do a sound effect, Nate? Oh, yep. no. Oh. <laughs> because it's my birthday, you're in for some real bull. <laughs> <laughs> so let us begin. It's Cavern of Birthdays. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, no. It's me, the Alabaster Titan. Oh no. It was very cruel of you to imprison me in that shed. <laughs> but, but I am as forgiving as I am vast. But Matthew fed you slices of ham. <laughs> they were delicious, and so I have decided to make peace with you in the face of a common enemy. The vile electricity cop oh, has no. captured Nate's soul deep within his own psyche, where E3 is being held. <laughs> In reference to a former episode of this podcast. This is not welcoming to new listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Just roll with it. That's the of an <laughs> You must travel through three layers of Nate's psyche in order to free him from the electricity cop in a series of thrilling mini-mini games. Okay. Are you ready? Never mind, let's go. <laughs> okay, so here we are in the jungle cavern. Ooh. Oh, nice. So you're in a, a lush rainforest environment and... A series of five animals are going to come up to you, and you've got to recommend a PC game for each of them to play. <laughs> and I shall literally just decide entirely subjectively whether you've done done well enough. Okay. Okay. First up, here comes a whale in the jungle. A whale in the jungle. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to give him to play? Um. Okay. Uh. 
a whale. Um, okay, there's. Um, oh, Matthew, what's the one where you're a bit a diver? The really nice one where you're like a deep sea diver. Oh, oh he's perking up at that. Oh, 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 what's it called? Oh, oh no! <laughs> my, in my brain, I'm thinking about whales, and all I can think of is the word kelp, and it's definitely not called that. Oh, I hope you don't die here. He's going uh, cross. What's that diving game called? Um, Abzu, <laughs> Abzu, 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 Abzu. Okay, phew. That's all right. I, I hoped you weren't going to recommend Subnautica. He would have got very cross. <laughs> phew. Jeez. Okay. Well, no time to think. Here comes a gorilla. <laughs> Uh, uh, ape out. Oh, this one. Yeah, he's grabbed the controller. Off he goes. <laughs> he's eating some digestives. Looks delighted. Here's a bat. A bat? Yeah. Um, Castlevania, uh, Lords of Shadow? <laughs> he's on fire. What about this frog? Frog detective. Oh, okay, brilliant. Yeah, off he goes. <laughs> and finally... Here's a load of walruses. A load of walruses. Oh no. What do walruses like? <laughs> Shellfish? Oh, scratching oh. themselves on rocks. Um oh, shell- they're furious. Uh, the get the crab the crab fishing simulator. Deep uh, deadliest catch the game. <laughs> He's satisfied. Okay. Would that not be the enemy of the walrus? No, no, they, they, they find crabs really appetising, so that's all right. Nice. You beat the jungle. Nice one. <laughs> oh, my God. So friendly. By the way, this is a complete side note, but I saw a video of a puffer fish and a crab put in the same tank, and it was absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. Puffer fish are brutes, aren't they? Yeah, because someone was like, oh, it was on Reddit, I think. A guy was like, my son wanted to get a crab. Uh, for his birthday, and I was like, cool, but he didn't want to get another tank. And I was like, you really can't put your crab in the same tank as your pet puffer fish. But he and his mum both ignored me. And I thought, oh no, the puffer fish got eaten by the crab. <laughs> but no. Their mouths are like guns. Yeah, really horrible. Love them. Right, level two, here you are in the deep sea. <laughs> oh God, okay. Uh, well, no, it's not actually. It's It looks like the deep sea, but actually you're in aquarium. Oh. Uh, and there's a series of fish tanks. Um, so, Matthew, your job is to knock on the fish tank. And every time <laughs> that happens, Alice is going to have to answer a trivia question about the animal in the tank. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. What, there's three tanks, which um, you can ask what's in them, but the glass is murky. But once you knock, the question will be asked. Uh, what's in the middle tank? Uh, there's sort of a, it looks sort of green and it's towards the top of the tank. Oh, that sounds boring. Let's wake it up. Oh. That's the alarm. Alice, it's a green turtle. Okay. <laughs> and it pops its head over the top of the tank and it's voiced by Carl Urban. Okay, right. And, Stop knocking on my bleeding tank. <laughs> Sorry, Carl What's Urban. the largest speech, species of turtle in the world? Is it multiple choice or do I just have to... Is it A, the hawksbill turtle, B, the leatherback turtle, or C, the knocking turtle? Uh, B, leatherback. You're bloody right. That's him smacking Matthew around the head. 
Why is like it so round. aggressive? <laughs> it was voiced by Carl Urban. Oh, okay, right. What's, what, what are we seeing in the tank on the left? Let's walk over and find out. <laughs> right, there's, <laughs> there's a sort of a big murky red shape lurking at the bottom. Oh, yeah. I want to see okay. that going. Oh, he's even got a knocking soundboard. Oh, yeah, I got it all, baby. I got it all. Right. <laughs> It's... Hey, it's me, the comedy crab. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's the Japanese for crab? Is it A, Kumi, B, Kami, or C, Wakatamo-kun? I mean, it's A or B, sure. <laughs> A. No, you're wrong. Here's oh. a gorilla to punch you. Oh, God. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> you got, I'm having a time of my life. Right, you got one oh, word left. It was such a vague character. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> oh. Comedy crab is like claptrap level. Like... <laughs> what's, uh, what's in the last tank? Uh, it barely fits. Oh, well, I'm definitely banging. It's another whale, okay. It's the same whale. He's been trying to enjoy a game of Absu, but you can't <laughs> Matthew had to use a broom to knock on the sides. Oh. Uh, he's going to ask his question now. Okay. Can you translate? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, there was a whale found a few years ago with, um a harpoon embedded in it that was more than 150 years old. Do you know what species of whale that was? Was it A, a blue whale, B, a southern right whale, or C, a bowhead whale? C, a bowhead whale. That's him celebrating in a weirdly <laughs> cow-like voice because you're correct. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god! How many more layers of your psyche do we have to go through? <laughs> Just the one. Don't Just, worry. Okay, it. thank we God. Right. Through to the core. Okay, so you're you go out on uh, a precipice, and there's a massive crowd, <laughs> and they're really they're very angry. Um, Are they, they all want... eggs or something? What? <laughs> No, they're all like tiny versions of me, but they're just okay. like confused and frightened. <laughs> I think you're at the centre of my consciousness now. Um, and they want you to tell them uh, a a fact about ants, what you learned off the Nate Files a few weeks ago. Anything about ants. Uh, okay, so um, I know that the ants sort of uh, operate a bit like a computer, Um sort of like hex off of um the the disc world and i also know that um there's a chemical that <laughs> ants emit when they're dead and if you put that on a live ant it'll it'll be put on the dead ant pile by the other ants <laughs> i loved it <laughs> yeah they've hailed you as their queen that's fantastic uh matthew can you remember anything about elephants uh, oh uh like, did they not originally have trunks? I don't know. <laughs> They're just rejoicing in your ignorance. <laughs> there you go. 
you satisfied them well. The crowd's all clear away. <laughs> and uh, there's only one obstacle left. It's me. The electricity cop. Oh, oh my no. God. Our arch nemesis. I'm back. I'm faintly <laughs> more comprehensible this time. I forgot how musical he was. <laughs> Want to hear me take a sick rip on my musical vape? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the song of the summer. <laughs> Up all night to get lucky. Well, you did good. You've achieved this mental catabasis to the hearts of this extremely weird E3 I'm holding. And I guess... <laughs> I'd better release Nate's soul. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, oh. What oh, that? that was this a is like this is like making someone watch like Game of Thrones, but starting on season five. <laughs> <laughs> really dense EWS lore. Oh my god! Oh, thank you for saving me from my own head. That's um, quite all right. <laughs> Should we get out of here? <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Bye. Bye. Up all night to get lucky. Okay, well. <laughs> that was a birthday spectacular. <laughs> what a treat for me. I would have worn <laughs> pants on the outside to attend that party. Uh, thank you, Nate, for... For, for that birthday spectacular cavern of lies um <laughs> i actually didn't have a plan for it because i spent all the time trying to tape the um headset mic into a configuration that would allow it to work so <laughs> that was that wasn't bad for on the fly yeah that was good oh my god it was it was quite disorientating and terrifying um <laughs> all that is left now is for us to make recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game matthew what have you got to recommend this I'm week recommending a crime novel called second sister by chan ho k who is a hong kong crime writer and it is about a girl a woman who's younger sister uh, commits suicide and so she starts investigating cyber bullies who hounded her uh, with the help of a, a kind of a sort of hacker slash sort of digital Sherlock Holmes type character who uses his sort of hacking skills but in a very sort of um deductive interesting way uh, I thought it was really really good um yeah I'm gonna recommend the tv show Dope Sick which is it's it's not easy viewing it's quite heavy viewing it's about the opioid epidemic uh in america and a dramatization of uh how purdue farmer and kind of one extremely rich family basically destroyed the health of a nation uh dramatized with uh your man batman michael keaton as a doctor <laughs> and <laughs> We could if it was all the same and just Batman. Um, was your, imagine going to the doctor and it was Batman. I'd you, be a lot healthier. Have you been sleeping? Um, uh, so yeah, tough viewing, but a, a really good television show. Um, and it's really kind of frightening how much of it is based on things people actually said, you know. Um, so that's my recommendation. I think it's Hulu. Uh, maybe I can't remember which... 
Disney Plus. On Disney Plus, there you go. Um, Nate, what are you recommending this week? What's your blood pressure, Joker? Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, as a, as a little aperitif, uh, like everyone is saying, uh, I mentioned it earlier, Prey is really good. It's the best Predator movie. And a really nice turnaround for a franchise that's just been in the bin since mm. its first installment, pretty much. Um, so if you like the original Predator, I don't know if it's better, but it's definitely on par. Like it's just a wicked uh, like sci-fi slasher. Um, yeah, really good. But the main recommendation this week, um, looking for films to watch with Tally, uh, I was watching The Sea Beast, which is new on Netflix. Uh, really exciting, beautifully animated film about... Uh, sea monster hunting that actually becomes a like surprisingly deft anti-colonialist uh anti-imperialist film um with some really really well delivered like you know um child interpretable messaging like it's really cool uh, it does hilariously have main characters voiced by an, an adult doing a precocious child and Carl Urban. <laughs> uh, I would definitely recast the two main characters, but other than that, yeah, it's it's wicked and it's it's on Disney Plus, and that makes it especially lovely because it ends with just a child telling a royal family to like basically abdicate and dissolve itself, which nice. is really really lovely to see in Disney. <laughs> so yeah, the Sea Beast. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Matthew and Nate, for joining us for this episode 198, I think, of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, Rock Paper Shotguns PC Gaming Podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, we've had a couple of emails in with some suggestions and feedback. Uh, keep them coming in. I'm going to go through them properly and uh, maybe read a few things out next week. You can email us podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can also look up Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTubes for more PC gaming news and bants. Uh, but for all your PC gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. But for now... Uh, until we're back next week, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Wolf Carlton. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from the birthday boy. Hey, bye. <laughs> <laughs>